0: Welcome to episode 72 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the vault studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man whose electric razor keeps him up at night. That's right. Yeah. John Scott
1: Sloat. <sighs> Doc, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? You know, the sun is shining. Students have left. Graduation has happened. It feels like all is right in the world right now.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, We've transitioned from the academic semester into the summer phase of life. Hallelujah. Yes. So Summer John has been cited.
1: Summer John is here. Yeah.
0: (laughs) My question is though, is this going to be the summer of John?
1: Mm, Great question. Uh, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I hope that works out better for you than it did for George Costanza. Yeah, yeah. In
1: any case, well – well, if you're asking, am, am I getting fired and getting a three-month severance package? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> OK. Gotcha. So uh,
0: we would love for you as listeners to connect with us. You can find us on Twitter at v and S Pod. You can email the show, variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. You are still – Checking that right? Yeah,
2: yeah, Okay, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. okay. we no. have we had a little snafu.
1: We had a snafu day. three months ago, two months ago. Uh,
0: it might be longer than that ago now, but
1: um, we got an email recently from Noah uh, in Indiana. I okay. think in Indiana, yeah. um, and and uh, I think I I, think, I believe I shared that with you.
0: Yeah, asking for recommend was that asking? No, maybe you did. I can't remember. I I don't know. Uh, yeah. In any case, uh, you can check. Uh, Check out our Facebook page, uh, Various and Sundry Podcast. Give it a like. Give it a follow. And we are available on YouTube. You can listen to episodes and we do have two episodes that are video episodes. Yeah, yeah. We've got the Grace Story Podcast Takeover that we did that was posted back in March. Yeah, with Zach. That was great. And – We also have the video of our interview with Barnabas Piper from a a couple couple, of weeks ago. Yeah, just a few weeks ago. So if you have not seen those, we encourage you to check those out and go ahead and subscribe on YouTube to that as well. And we would love for you to leave uh, a review and a rating on whatever platform you're accessing the show. And we are uh, tickled, thrilled. Tickled pink. To report two new reviews this past week.
1: Yeah, pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Good was, reviews as well. Yeah, earnest, yes. truthful. Yes, and five star, of course, and five star. I mean, that, yes. that's
0: that's really the, the, the big key there. Hashtag so. for the algorithm, <laughs> indeed. Well, as we uh, turn our attention now to sports, we have reached the uh, the end of the NBA regular season, and the playoff matchups are set. We're recording this week on Tuesday. So today, I think, is actually the start of the play-in games, Okay, I think, tonight. And so I thought um, it would be good for us to talk a little bit about the NBA playoff matchups, the play-in games. Um, I, I think we've figured out how this works, right? I, we had the the pre-show conversation, right?
1: Yes, yes. It sounds like the seven and eight seed play one another. Yes. The loser – of that takes the winner, so the winner of that goes into the seven seat into the spot. seven seat spot. The loser of that plays the winner of nine ten. yeah, and then the winner of that becomes the eight seat. Yes. is that your is, that's my understanding. okay. okay. Yeah. So uh, in the east,
0: you've got the Celtics at seven against the wizards at eight. and then you have the pacers and uh, at nine and the hornets at ten. And in the West, you've got the Lakers at 7.
1: And the Warriors. And the Warriors. That's a fun game. At 8.
0: And uh, Grizzlies at 9, Spurs at 10.
1: And I think that Lakers-Warriors game tips off at like ten fifteen. 15. Oh, that's West Coast. Oh, my goodness. That's so late. You're not watching anyway. I'm not watching anyway. But the <laughs> playoffs, I might, I might tune in. Um, but it's, uh, 10 o'clock. Yeah. You, by that point, you've been in bed, what, two hours? Yeah, two and a half. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I do. I do love the NBA playoffs time because you you have typically good matchups every night. Yeah, and you know that, that that seven eight game for the Lakers. I do think now that AD is back, LeBron is back. If those two can stay healthy, they can still make a deep run in, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. The thing that scares you about have them having to play the Warriors is the fact that, you know, Steph Curry could just blow up and, and put up 50 yeah, on you. Yeah, he, he could get really
1: hot and yeah. and uh, drop 40, 45, yeah. Yeah,
0: so um, – but let's talk a little bit about your beloved Knicks. Yeah. What F- spot did they finish in?
1: Uh, the fourth seed. OK. And we got uh, the Hawks. Yes.
0: And uh, I did see them play Sunday – where they hung on to beat a Celtics team that de- was not, playing, depleted not playing its top players. And they they hung on. They built up a huge lead and then nearly blew it. But yeah, hung I think,
1: on. I think the Celtics brought it within a, a, a point or two uh, yeah. at one point. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just pleased to be a part of things. You know, as a Knicks fan, we haven't been in the playoffs since I think 2008. Um, we haven't been – this high in seeding, maybe since well before that, you know, um, and I think we made it in 2008, but I don't think we had made it, goodness, for a long time before that. And frankly, I'm just happy to be a part of things. And uh, yeah, if, if if we get bounced by the Hawks, that's okay. I am I am a little nervous. We peaked too early, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but
0: just just glad to be here. Yeah. So if you do manage to get past the Hawks, uh, you would almost certainly play the Sixers. It's unlikely as the one seed the Sixers are going to lose to whoever ends up being the eight.
1: Sure. It seems unlikely. Sure. Seems so, unlikely. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, playoff basketball is different than regular season basketball. The intensity ratchets up and uh, coaches coaching staffs can apply more focused attention to a particular opponent than they can <clears throat> during the regular season. Yeah, So – that's where it'll be interesting to see how that how that shapes up. But uh, yeah, good to see good to see the Knicks back in the playoffs. Um, any thoughts on on? I know this is kind of off the cuff, but who do you like coming out of the East? Who do you like coming out of the West?
1: Oh my goodness, um, goodness! I actually like. I think I like the Sixers uh, to come out of the East. Okay, um, I'm just not a believer that Brooklyn's going to remain healthy and uh, Milwaukee. Is Milwaukee.
0: <laughs> so you're not sold on them.
1: No. And uh, and I'll, I'll take Denver out of the West. OK. For no for no reason other yeah. than, than the Joker.
0: Yeah. I feel like this year's NBA playoffs could be as wide open as we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like we've just gone through this stretch where we've had the super teams. Right. And it's just like, OK, so the super team's going to make it out of this side. And, you know, maybe the other conference is a little bit more up in the air. But, you know, you had – obviously you had the Heat for a while and then, you know, you had the Cavs in the east with LeBron. And then, of course, in the west once Durant went out there. I mean even before that though, you had Steph and, 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 Clay. and Clay. So, yeah. you know, the Warriors had the run where it's like, OK, they're going to go through the west. And then last year, you know, the bubble was just a weird thing. So um, – but – This year, I feel like it's a little bit more wide open. I'll take out of the East. Um, I'm going to roll the dice and say the Nets are going to be healthy enough. To get
1: Is that a concern of yours though? Oh, 100 percent. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. I mean who knows with James – I think think if Durant stays healthy, if him and and Kyrie, Mm -hmm. I think the two of them are good enough plus their supporting cast to get to the finals. Okay. Even without James Harden. In the West, I like your your Nuggets pick. If if they had Jamal Murray, Mm -hmm. I would be all on board with them. But the fact that he's not going to be back for the playoffs, even though I think they're really good, um, I think it's I think it's just hard for me to go with with them as coming out. Um, But having said that, I don't know who to pick. Yeah, like you know, if the Lakers are healthy, they could easily get in. To the finals, mm-hmm. you know. Do I believe in the Jazz? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I'm not convinced the Suns, having never having not made the playoffs in any recent memory, are suddenly going to run <laughs> through the NBA. Yeah, are going to light it even up, even with Chris Paul being great and Devin Booker. But so I guess if I if you're going to force me to pick somebody, I'll pick the Jazz. I guess. Okay.
1: All right. Um, what's going on with the Mets? Um, did Did you see any headlines from the game last night? Um, didn't was there a player like I hit in the face? Was yes. That last night? So our backup outfielder Kevin Pilar took a, I think it was ninety four mile an hour fastball, I think to the bridge of his nose. Ouch! And <laughs> that sounds so awful. Yes, and I mean, just immediately goes to the ground, clutching his face. You can see uh, it had to on, be
0: bloody. As oh yeah,
1: oh yeah. There's blood dripping all over. The dirt and everything, so so he got walloped in the face, and uh, he picked himself up and walked off the field. Um, that's a tough guy, you know. Yeah. yeah.
0: So not a soccer player. Not a oh, soccer player. Did you no. See what I did there?
1: Yeah, oh, you took a dig. I'm gonna get heat. Yeah, v- Vincent is gonna be upset. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but took a took a 94 mile picked himself up, walked off. Got an MRI last night. We're still waiting on news. Um, but we ended up winning the game. However, we ha- our injury list right now is like 15 people long. Like we're missing four of our starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. We're missing two starting outfielders. We're missing our starting third baseman, starting second baseman. So, you know, I, I saw a reporter joke that the Mets needs hello, my name is sticker – stickers for for the game because yep. we, just, we just don't know who anybody is out there. Um, and there's talks of trades just to get players to fill, to fill his, the roster. Yeah, yeah. To, f- to fill out the roster. So, yeah, that's where things are. We're technically in first place right now, but who knows with all these injuries how long that's going to last. Okay. Well, speaking of things that last. <laughs> nice transition. We are to our main topic for today. John, what are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about biographies. We're talking about biographies. Um, uh, specifically reading them <laughs> Okay. not writing them yes, not writing them okay. or or even even TV documentaries of, of, of people's lives we 're not talking about we're, we're talking about reading really, really excellent biographies. Um, doc, why do we why do we go here why, why biographies? Well, first, we need content Yeah. yeah. okay <laughs> I mean, in one sense that's always
0: the answer, right but um, as we thought about what well, things we 'd like to talk about is uh, one of the one of the things that we uh, landed on was I mean obviously we love to read and that's that's, that's part of the ethos ethos of this podcast right the, yeah. the fact that we enjoy uh, reading and want to talk about books but um, we wanted to talk about biographies because uh, we just think they're they're incredibly helpful and valuable on a number of different fronts. Both, I think, on just a sort of personal enrichment front as mm-hmm. well as even they can be incredibly helpful on the spiritual front.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there was an – I can't remember who said this. But there was an author who said reading biographies is just like nourishment for your soul. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like there is something that reading a really excellent biography of a Christian man, caveat, right, is just really nourishing to the soul. Yeah. I don't know that it would even need to be specifically
0: of a Christian though. I mean mm-hmm. I think – you know, there's a lot. Obviously, even from a spiritual perspective, we can learn from non Christians. Sure. Uh, I mean, look at the proliferation of uh, of people who, of pastors who. Th- th- there seems to have been this wave recently of pastors reading Churchill biographies, Winston Churchill biographies, and you uh-huh. know, dropping quotes into sermons and and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, I-, I think there can be some value to that, but. Uh, so, John, why do you enjoy reading biographies? Let's, let's let's make it a little personal here. What what is it about biographies that you enjoy
1: reading? You know, I, I was reflecting on that question. I don't know. <laughs> um, this I, does not make for good podcast I, I, content. I know. Um, so, I, I think I think I was telling you before the podcast. I I do enjoy. Uh, Oftentimes when when teaching church history and working through church history, we talk in centuries or we talk in Mm -hmm. uh, uh, time periods or movements. And I I think I enjoyed getting into like the nitty-gritty of what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So entering sort of a person's life from their perspective and seeing, oh, goodness, the day-to-day about what was happening – And the struggles that they had or the opportunities that they had or the things that they said no to and and those things I find really fascinating to to get Mm -hmm. into an era. How about Mm -hmm. yourself? Yeah, I think that uh, along similar lines –
0: at one level, I do – I enjoy history. Mm -hmm. But often the way history is taught and told focuses on facts and events that can feel um, disjointed or even just kind of isolated. Hmm. And biographies, when they're done well, take you back and put you in that world. And they also usually give you a glimpse into the personal life of people that otherwise you might just know as, oh, he was a great military leader. Yeah, But you might not know anything about his home life. His, mm-hmm. his 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 uh, you know his environment growing up in a specific you know family or even his you know his marriage or his kids or those kinds of things and I think biographies have the ability to give us the more holistic picture of a person and and move us away from the sort of flat one dimensional this person is this kind of mentality. Sure.
1: Yeah, it takes you from – and goodness, do we have anybody – I don't think we have anybody on our list who signed the Declaration of Independence. But um, it takes you from John Hancock signed the Declaration of Independence to John Hancock grew up in this time period and mm-hmm. he, he did these things. He went to school here. He was involved in this business. you know, And so it gives you a fuller picture of an individual. Right. And I think that it, it reminds us that
0: all human beings are complex. Mm-hmm. We like to simplify and to be pretty reductionistic, to be honest, yeah. in, in terms of how we think of a particular person. And we do this uh, all the time. And, you know, we do it in our sort of political and cultural context of, of talking about people. Or, but even just, you know, think back to uh, growing up in junior high and high school. Let's just say high school because hopefully by high school, you're a little bit more aware of the world around yeah, you.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're aware of what's happening, yeah.
0: And think about um, how much, if anything, did you know about the personal lives of your teachers?
1: Yeah, uh, for the most part, very little.
0: Yeah, yeah. They, in one sense, many of them were probably just one-dimensional to you. That's my math teacher. Sure. You didn't mm-hmm. know if, you know, you you might have known. Well, you probably knew. Oh, she's married because she's a Mrs. Mm-hmm. Whatever last name. But. You know, And you might have occasionally caught glimpses of actually, you know what? She's really into sewing or she's really into biking or something. Like you might occasionally get a glimpse of like a hobby or an interest.
1: So, so quick story. I had a history teacher in high school who made I – th- I think made such little money at the Christian high school I went to that he also worked as uh, – uh, basically an usher at PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Okay, And so he would leave school at like 2.30 every day during baseball season and drive down to PNC Park. And when I would go to games, I would seek him out at the stadium and we'd sit there and we'd talk about the game, the team and, and those things. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so when you think about a a good biography
0: can give you the more holistic picture of mm-hmm. a human being and – that that to me raises the question of, and we've kind of hit at this, but maybe it'd be good to more focused talk about this. Um, in in your view, what is it that makes a good biography?
1: Yeah, um, so I I think of something that, and this may be too obvious, but tells the story of the person without getting into uh, the things I already know. So if we're going to talk about um, Lincoln's Secretary of War, which I've read that biography. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to know specifically about the actions that I already know about. I, I want to know, like, what was his letters to his wife like, or what was um, what was his growing up situation, or, or those those different things um, before we get into some of the more nitty gritty details of what happened, and or, or I want to know some unique fact or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think a well-written biography is oftentimes hard to come by. So so I usually look for something that's a little bit um, more well-written. And then finally I'd say I'm I'm looking for something probably that I've heard about on a podcast or an author that I recognize or some cultural event that's happened that's sparked my interest about an individual and I want to read more about them. Mm -hmm. How about yourself? Yeah, I'd echo
0: a lot of that. I think that when it comes to a good biography – The writer needs to be a good storyteller and needs to be able to – even if you're telling me about an event that I know about, you need to tell it to me in a way that makes it seem fresh or sheds some different light or um, I I think even just gives some broader uh, context. You know, again, as going back to what I said earlier about how we often think about and teach and and, and learn history, we learn sets of facts, but um, oftentimes we don't necessarily know the backstory of some of those events and those. So it's like um, maybe this analogy will be helpful. You know, how we think about history is oftentimes if you compare it to watching a play mm-hmm. what's on the stage is often what we kind of read in our history books or are taught in history class and that's obviously important but you get a different perspective on the play if you get to go backstage if you get to talk to the director and uh, get to hear a little bit more of why this happened or why you chose to mm. write the play this way or you know, what What is going on uh, in terms of those kinds of decisions? I, I would also add that um, a good biography brings you into the world of the person you're reading about so that you at least understand the broader cu- culture, the broader um, – just what's going on. So that you're not just sort of jumping into – an event or an area and you're and, and you're still thinking of it through your contemporary perspective, but understanding, you know, just to give one simple example, um, you know, oftentimes when you read certain biographies of people like a Jonathan Edwards, which we'll mention here in a little bit, um, it can be easy in today's contemporary how can you read about that guy? He was a slaveholder, and you're like OK, that's a fair criticism. Mm-hmm. But let's make sure we understand him within his own historical context mm-hmm. and understand where all of those sort of issues were at historically in terms of how people thought about them, how people engaged them. So that we're not just like, oh, I can't listen to anything from Jonathan Edwards because he was a slaveholder. And like, OK, well, yeah, we can be critical of that. That's fair. hmm but we should also understand them in their own historical context, so that we're not, um, so that we're not being, in one sense, unfair to them. Sure. Even even as we're ready to be critical, and that that's that's one one more piece I'll add before we move on. Um, I think a good biography is sympathetic to its character, but not um, not uh so infatuated with that person
1: that it's a skewed picture of who they are so maybe maybe I have a question for you that's that's not on our rundown um that's okay <laughs> uh that may get at some of the things what makes a bad biography well um
0: i mean in some ways I, i'd want to say it's the opposite of what i just what we've just described but um poor storytelling mhm um, and a a one sided perspective on the person, right? Where it's just either the person from the author's perspective is the most amazing human being sure. who ever lived and never did anything wrong, or this human being is the worst you've ever in, ever heard of, and there's no redeeming value to this person at all.
1: Sure, um, I would I would add to those. I I think. Um, biographers that come in with like an agenda to say like we want to paint this person in this sort of light for a modern day conversation that we're having. Yeah, I know who you're thinking. About. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know exactly who I'm thinking about. Um, um, and I, I have, uh, I think one or two of those biographies on my shelf. But uh, uh, yes, the where where there's the bias is overwhelming to the point where it's. It's misrepresenting the person that they're writing sure. about.
0: Yeah. And anytime you write a biography, there's going to be by necessity a selectivity, right? You, you sure. can't give an exhaustive account despite some of the attempts of uh, um, like uh, Dalamore – I can't remember his first name – has written like a two-volume on George Whitfield, and – um, I forget who wrote he might have been Dalamore again wrote wrote a two volume on um uh Martin Lloyd Jones where you're just like I mean you know you're a thousand plus pages in those still are not comprehensive mm-hmm. he, the author is still being selective and so by necessity you need to be selective. however you still want to be representative and and fair in terms of you know would would any of us survive a a description of our life if you just chose our worst moments? Yeah. I'm confident they wouldn't, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. But it also wouldn't be fair to just do our best moments either. Mm-hmm. If you really want to know who a person is, you have to talk about both as well as give context for that. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um let's talk let's talk favorite biographies. What let's uh do it. You you have a much longer list than I do. Uh so so why don't uh you go ahead and uh rattle off a few and then I can rattle off mine and we'll return to you.
0: Yeah, I, I've got them listed on our on our show notes here and we'll we'll have links for these in the in the show notes yep. with the episode. But uh I'm not gonna go in the order that I've got here. I I'm, I'm gonna start with one that I think even if you don't enjoy biographies, I think this one is Interesting, and it's shorter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to go with Don Carson's book, "Memoirs of an Ordinary Pastor."
1: Yeah, that, that's a good one. Not one that I had considered um, in my list, but yes, a very good one.
0: Yeah. So, so, so Don Carson wrote this. Uh, it's a pretty short biography. It's is it even 200 pages? I'm not I don't sure think so. Is. Yeah. That is essentially a biography of his own dad, mm-hmm. who was a pastor in Canada, in in the French speaking areas of. Of Canada, and part of what makes it so refreshing is, as as Carson admits, it's like my dad was not anybody famous. Mm-hmm. That hence the ordinary pastor. He was just an ordinary pastor who faithfully served, preached the gospel, shared the gospel, loved people, and it's just a it's it's a it is a heartwarming picture of just what he says an ordinary pastor and and i think sometimes one danger of reading biographies is you get infatuated with the famous people sure and you think well i can't have an impact on people if i'm not famous no one'll ever write a biography about me mm-hmm. so and and part of what this i think is really helpful is don carson's dad was just a, an ordinary pastor who faithfully served and had a remarkable impact over a lifetime and i think that that that's just a uh, a, a nice entry point into someone into the area of biographies if you want to read that, are, that's not like this, I'm going to commit to 500 pages here.
1: And I think uh, Don Carson obviously writes it but I think he uses his father's diary or journal entries mm-hmm. as like yep. here, here's my source material for this so so it's interesting to see him reflect on sermons and, and different things like that that are happening in life. Yeah, alright, what about you? Um, my goodness, um, I'll throw out uh, Thomas Kidd's The Spiritual Biography of Benjamin Franklin. Have you, have you read this? I was trying to remember, I have it on my shelf, but I don't think I've read it. Okay, so I did the audiobook, I think, during the pandemic. Uh, and it was just remarkable to see him, uh, Ben Franklin growing up in, uh, uh, in uh, Puritan uh, New England. Um, and just not buying into everything that's going on there, but enjoying the values that are brought forward um and and that was sort of his staple spiritual belief, like, I don't believe all this all, all, all of these things, however, they're a good uh, for the society. yeah um and so it was funny to see just how that worked out, his letters with George Whitfield throughout the years and mm-hmm. and uh, and different things like that and and even in his uh, interactions with the Continental Congress and how he yeah. advocated for a uh, minister to come in to pray over the Continental Congress, uh, which was interesting.
0: I think uh, piggybacking off of that, Thomas Kidd also wrote a biography of George Whitfield. Yes, that is very good. Have you read that?
1: I have not. I have not. Very
0: good. <laughs> so, uh, I think Thomas Kidd is 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 an excellent historian and mm-hmm. um, also a an engaging writer. I agree, yeah. And so I think he does a nice job of of telling the story in an engaging way, setting the context, helping you understand kind of the, what life was like during that period so that you can um, understand those people within their context. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stay along the same lines. And um, this – this this might be my favorite biography I've ever read, so I think I'm going to put this one at the top. Wow! Of George Marsden wrote a biography of Jonathan Edwards. Okay. That is widely regarded as this is the definitive one, hmm. and um, it just does such a wonderful job of helping you understand Edwards within his time,
2: hmm.
0: and inviting you into his life in a way that definitely shows you why he was a great man but also shows you his flaws hmm. and also um, doesn't pull punches in terms of being critical of Edwards where necessary. Hmm. And I find that um, refreshing. I think before I'd before that, I had read a biography by uh, Ian Murray. On Edwards, yeah, that was a little too um, sanitized. Okay, that he was so 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 in love with Edwards that at times you felt like I don't know that you're being necessarily as critical of Edwards here as hmm. you probably should be. Uh, so now it is it is a longer biography. It's you know it's four or five hundred pages, but he has he has since produced a a condensed version, but. Marson's a really good writer, so I don't think it. I don't think it drags. I think it moves along pretty well. So, that's that's probably my number one biography that I think I've ever read. What do you got next, John?
1: Um, I'll mention uh, uh, and uh, Zach in Ohio uh, will will enjoy this one. Uh, John Newton uh, by uh, Jonathan a- a- Acton Aiken I think Aiken A I T K E N I think right um, Yes uh, I. I got I think I was at a conference and they were giving away a free digital download mm-hmm. um of uh, one of their books crossway was and I picked this up and and devoured Jonathan, uh John Newton. Um really really good story uh goes deep on his uh slave trading days as mm-hmm. well as um as well as his time as a pastor working with uh, William Wilberforce, and they even take a take a chapter and just go through the history of "Amazing Grace," the song. Uh, hmm. that, that that was uh, quite lovely.
0: Good. I have read that. It's been a while, but I, I do remember enjoying that. Um, I'm going to go a uh, step away a little bit from the church history side for just a minute, and go with Humphrey Carter, or sorry Humphrey Carpenter, wrote a biography of J.R.R. R. Tolkien okay that i very much enjoyed hmm. and along with that this is sort of a companion volume he edited a collection of tolkien's letters which is fascinating hmm. because the letters kind of take you back into a behind the scenes of as tolkien is writing the hobbit as he's writing Lord of the Rings. And, and you, you, in these letters even, you see him wrestling with what kind of character certain characters are going to be. Like like there's a section in one of his letters where he, he introduces Strider, who is beca- Aragorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he makes some comment to the effect of, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. <laughs> but I'm fascinated by him. Like you see his creative mind just working behind the scenes uh, of that. So Humphrey Carter um, – sorry, Humphrey Carpenter, J.R.R. Tolkien, a biography.
2: Hmm.
1: You got another one for us? Yes. Uh, and I will move away from the church as well. Um, I, I can't remember the specific title but the Alexander Hamilton biography by Ron Chernow. Have you read a Ron, Ron
0: Chenero I biography? No.
1: He's an excellent writer. It is like 700 pages. Um, so so it is super long. I read it one summer. It took me about three months to get through. Uh, really, really excellent biography of uh, of Alexander Hamilton, um, our first uh, secretary of the treasury. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, just his life, living uh, – being born in the Caribbean and going through the, the struggles and the trials that he went through, coming to New York and, and really rising to the top. Uh the guy that did the musical mm-hmm. read this biography, closed it, and goes, "I must write a musical about this that was okay. that was his response that was the inspiration okay yeah, so so you can see like a lot of the things that happen in uh, the biography uh, is connected to the musical directly and' it 's interesting yeah. in fact um, i watched I watched the musical on Disney plus with my father last summer, uh, right when it came out, I think July fourth and my dad was so embarrassed he didn't know anything about this guy that he picked up the biography and read it. Um, okay. So,
0: yeah. Shout out to Scott Sloat. Yeah. Um, I've got uh, I've got more here. I want to make sure I mention two more. How many more do you have that you want to mention? I, sure? I have zero more. Okay. So back into the world of church history, we're going to go a little ways back and go with – this is a classic, right? Harold, Harold Bainton – Here I Stand, The Mm -hmm. Luther Biography. It's kind of a classic. Um, Well done. And uh, I remember reading that in a class on Reformation history at my secular university and thinking, wow, I can't believe we get to read this at a secular (laughs) university. This is great. And then this one is a little bit more off the radar. It's a book by John – I'm not sure how to pronounce this name. Delia I think, but Mm -hmm. it's – it's, it's a weird – it's D-apostrophe-E-L-I-A. He wrote a biography entitled A Place at the Table, George Eldon Ladd and the Rehabilitation of Evangelical Scholarship in America. And so it's about uh, Ladd, uh, George Ladd, who was a, uh, an evangelical biblical scholar who primarily was prominent in the
1: 60s and 70s. Fuller Theological Seminary, yes. right? He was in Southern and California. And
0: he was um, desperate to revitalize evangelical scholarship and get it a as as Delia refers to it, as a a seat at the table in the mm-hmm. critical academy to get evangelicals back into the discussion in in critical scholarship on the Bible, and so. Um, What's sad is he wrote a he wrote this book that, uh on the I think it was his book one of the one of his books on the kingdom kingdom of God, and he thought okay this is going to do it, this is going to get us back this is going to get evangelicals back into at the table, and a critical scholar absolutely trashed it in a really hmm. just destroyed it, unfairly. Hmm. But still, yeah. it was personally devastating. It, it, it's it's probably not quite an exaggeration to say it ruined his life. Hmm. Like it sent him on a downward spiral in his academic and even in his uh, in his personal life that was disastrous. And so it's sort of a cautionary tale of don't get your hopes set on academic glory or things like that hmm. because. You know, it's a fleeting thing. Yeah. <sighs> Anything else on the biographies you got? Are you good? I think I'm good. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of um, things that do not last, let's talk about athletes.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Really, things that do not last. Um, so uh, we have several good ones today, which which is exciting. The number seventy-two. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, yeah. I think seventy-two coming through for us. Uh. I'll just read them off for us. Uh, Carlton Fisk,
0: Yeah. Most prominently known for his uh, time with the uh, Red Sox. Yeah. And and famously known for the – it's just sort of a famous clip in the history of baseball, right? He's with the Red Sox and the, he had a huge home run. I think it was against the Reds in the World Series. I forget what year this would have been. Early 70s probably. And he hits the ball down the left field line and he's – as he's sort of like hopping to first base, he's like motioning with hand with his hands, like the body language, trying to keep the ball fair. <laughs> and of course, it is, and it's sort of an iconic moment. So Carlton
1: Fisk. So he played from seventy two to ninety three. He was around forever. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, uh, Ed Jones, better known as Ed Too Tall Jones. Yes, uh, he was of, six
0: foot nine.
1: Uh, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he would have fit in uh, today's NFL. Yes, yes, he was.
0: More athletic, probably than um, than a lot of guys that played his position mm-hmm. in,
1: in that day. Uh, Dan Dierdorf, uh tackle for the the Cardinals, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals at the time. St. Louis Cardinals in the in the seventies uh, into the eighties, uh, probably best known as a broadcaster.
0: Yep, big thick mustache.
1: <laughs> um, uh, William Perry, better known as William Refrigerator yes. Perry. <laughs> Uh, this, is, this is the episode of the nickname. Yeah. Uh, uh, yep. Played defensive tackle for the Bears, um, uh, best known as a running back on that 85 <laughs> Bears team. <laughs> yes. And then for our Ohio State athlete,
0: uh, Dan Wilkinson, better known as Dan Big Daddy Wilkinson, played for the Buckeyes from 92 to 93 and was the first pick in the uh, NFL draft the year he came out. Played for the Bengals very nice had a solid but not great NFL career so uh, y- do you have a uh, do you have a leaning an inclination uh, a-, a hunch a gut feeling here
1: I think we got to go with a nickname agreed so we can rule out Dan Deorff and Carlton Fisk although and Carlton Carl- Fisk yeah. although 20 21 years in the majors that's, that's impressive yeah. So we're down
0: to Refrigerator Perry or Too Tall Jones. I think I'm OK with ruling out
1: Big Daddy. Big we'll Daddy. Say. OK. Yeah. I don't want to put Big Daddy in the show title. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. This is tough. Well, we're in Chicago Bear country. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Refrigerator Perry might be the way to go. I'm going to go with Refrigerator Perry as well. OK. Sounds good. William Refrigerator, Perry it is. Yes. Used to get those handoffs and – Well, it was funny because I was reading up a
0: little bit about him and he – one of the reasons that Ditka, Mike Ditka, the head coach of the Bears, put him on offense is because his defensive coordinator, Buddy Ryan, wouldn't play him on defense. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, there's just a weird dynamic there between Ditka and Buddy Ryan. But – so he put him on the offensive side and – There was a little bit of a controversy. So he's well-known for scoring the touchdown in the Super Bowl uh, against the Patriots. They blew him out like 46-10. And uh, there was a little bit of controversy because um, Walter Payton didn't get to score a touchdown in that Uh. game. And so there was all this like, why are we letting – like, you know, why are they giving the ball to to him when Walter Payton hasn't scored? And like – so anyway. So William Refrigerator Perry – it is one thing we liked.
1: Yeah. So this week uh, we celebrated graduation here on Grace's campus and uh, it was a great time to see uh, some some students that I've known for a long time graduate uh, and take a take a next step in life. So, so you're saying it was good to get rid of them. I mean that's – I think that's the purpose of the academy <laughs> is to get rid of students, right? To, to bring them in and then get rid of okay. them, right? Okay. Um yeah. As, as crass as that may sound, but uh, yeah, we graduated a good class of my students this year, Yes, uh, five or six, and uh, yeah, they're all good, good guys and excited to see them go on to great things.
0: Yes. Okay. So for me, my one thing I liked is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Turned 30 yesterday. Yeah. What about
1: Bob? I saw this on Twitter.
0: Yes. What about Bob? A great Bill Murray comedy. It's got Richard Dreyfuss in it and uh, it is just – it's good on so many different levels. Now, side note, there's a little bit of language in there. Mm -hmm. Not like awful
1: but a little bit of
0: language in there.
1: Um, I saw people on Twitter who I did not know had a sense of humor. (laughs) Quoting this movie, I think I know yesterday. who you're talking about. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> Perhaps the president of a major yes evangelical institution.
1: Yes, yes. yes, did not know <laughs> not our own by the not way. Not our own. Yes, <laughs> uh, had has a, uh, I was just like I didn't know you could you could quote. Uh, what about Bob? So
0: yes, um, fun fact about that movie, which I didn't even really notice until a few times through. So when, when uh, Bob. … is meeting with Dr. Marvin for the first time
2: mm-hmm.
0: and of course um, you know, being given the Baby Steps book. And so Dr. Marvin at the end of their little conversation says, uh, so I'm going on vacation and while I'm gone for the next like six weeks or whatever it is, uh, you can call this other doctor who's covering my patients while I'm gone. And the name of that doctor is Dr. Harmon.
1: Yeah, yeah. I saw – I watched it, oh, probably in the last year or so and picked up on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, Just a fun little fact. But there's so many great lines from that movie and Bill Murray is just a comedic genius in that. Yes, I recommend that. With the the caveat of watch out for a couple of scenes where Bob and the son of Dr. Marvin act as if they have Tourette's syndrome, which causes them to (laughs) blurt out, you know, not like – grossly awful obscenities, but, you know. Yeah, mild obscenities. Obscenities, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. In any case, (laughs) I think on that note, on the note of obscenities, I think um, we have managed to cover our various and sundry topics. We've talked NBA playoffs. We've talked biographies. We've talked William Refrigerator Perry, talked graduation, and of course, we've talked about one of the great comedies of our uh, of the last 50 years what about bob so by definition i think it's uh, time for us to call mission accomplished yep okay and so all that leaves us with is to say until next time
1: the lord bless y'all real good later